Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. Jennifer Daniels, and you're listening to Healing with Dr. Daniels. It is 6 p.m. on August 11th, 2015, and tonight's show is What's It All About? This show came from a famous song written by Burt Baccarat. Now, we got to give Burt credit. This was a phenomenal song, a wonderful hit. And I'm all in favor of artistic license, but I think Bert really missed the mark wide on this one. So many of us, most of our lives, have wondered, what's it all about? What's it all about? Is there a God in the heaven above? Is there a Hades down below? Should I be nice? Should I be not nice? Should I be honest? What should I be? Should I help other people? Should I take care of myself first? There's all these questions. And actually, these questions all widely miss the mark. The answer, I'll give you the answer because I hate suspense myself, so I'm not going to keep you in suspense. So the answer to all those questions is you decide. You decide, period. Then you spend your time and resources accordingly. That would be the answer to all of those mystical questions that this song uh, poses. And this will tell you, just to show you how far off I think the song is, uh, I'm going to read you a few lyrics because I think you just need to uh, get the gist of this. So this song was written, was sung by many singers, by the way, and they all did very well with it. It's just a wonderful song. So it's, I don't have a voice, so I'm going to read it to you. So what's it all about, Elfie? Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about when you sort it out, Elfie? Are we meant to take more than we give? Or are we meant to be kind? And it's only fools are kind, Elfie. And I guess it's wise to be cruel. And so the song goes on like this, and it settles on love is, a, is, is not a bad thing. But the real deal is, it's all about you. It's all about you. Period. You. That's what it's about. It is about someone else 
controlling every minute of your life. And yes, it is just the moment we live, the moment you live. So it is all about someone else controlling every aspect of your life, controlling all of your labor, what it is you labor at, controlling the fruits of your labor, that would be maybe the money you earn from your labor, and even controlling the time when you're not at work, when you're not laboring. That is what it's all about. Now, this struck me as, uh, you know, many of you know, I live in Panama. And so I'm a foreigner in a very friendly land, thank goodness. So every now and then I'm walking down the street and I'll look at a bank and I'll see a line of people going out of the bank, extending down the block, going around the corner. And I'll say to myself, my God, somehow things have been constructed to monopolize the time of a large number of people and keep them from doing the simplest and maybe even most pleasurable of things, like maybe holding a kid on their lap or maybe fixing something at home that needs to be fixed or maybe making a gift for a friend. There's all kinds of things people could be doing, but instead they're standing in this line. And so usually I can find uh, a Panamanian and I say, hey, why are all those people standing in that line? And they'll tell me, oh, it's a certain day of the month and um, pensioners have to go to the bank to get their pension. I said, oh, that's very interesting. And then another time, I was walking down the street and I saw this area, it was cordoned off, a rectangle, and all people were inside and there was little tables and things were happening. And there were lines, like eight lines, and the lines started at one end and went all the way to the other and then kind of spilled out into the street and kind of wrapped around the corner a bit. And I said, oh, my God, people are spending a lot of time in that line. And what I finally came to realize was that these lines are there for a reason. When people are standing in line, they can't engage in self-directed behavior. When people are standing in line, they are absolutely immobilized. Another example is when you're waiting in the doctor's office. You are totally suspended in time and separated from the very important work of directing your own time, working to your own ends. And this is not a mistake. In fact, insurance companies write into their policies procedures that guarantee wait times of anywhere from 15 minutes to hours. And again, this is no mistake. The purpose of the medical industrial complex is to, in every way possible, commandeer and usurp your time, your energy, and your resources. It just so happens that most people are willing to turn over a huge amount of their resources if one calls it health care, if it's healthy and if they think somebody cares, I guess. And so what's really going on then is your, your basic American is going to work, let's say for eight hours a day, commuting uh, an hour each way, 
that makes it 10 hours a day. And of those 10 hours, a person gets paid. And of that pay, half of it goes in taxes. We're not even going to discuss that piece. But what about the rest? Of the rest, people are spending 20% and even more on health insurance premiums. And then, just in case you're trying to sign up for Obamacare, people spend hours and hours on the Internet trying to sign up at this site. And there are actually people who think that the site accidentally didn't work. There are people who think that someone was incompetent. What they don't realize is the person designing the site was extremely competent. The point was to tie up the time and physical energy of as many people as possible in this activity so they couldn't use their very real time and energy in an activity of their own choosing or of their own direction. So this is what it's all about. It's all about getting the maximum number of dollars in healthcare insurance paid. It's all about getting the maximum number of dollars out of your pocket in the form of copay, coinsurance, and deductibles. It's all about getting you to spend as much of your time as possible waiting in a doctor's office. As much time as your much of your time as possible throwing up your guts after chemotherapy. As much of your time as possible recuperating from surgery that may or may not have been necessary and most likely was not beneficial. Necessary and beneficial are not the same thing. So this is the goal, is to keep as many people as possible in a preoperative, postoperative, intraoperative state, in a state of waiting in line for this and waiting in line for that and taking up all of the money that they have. And that is what it's all about. And so when Alfie asks, is it about being kind or being cruel or following a golden rule or believing or not believing, no. It's about you not even having the choice to decide if you're going to be kind or cruel. It's about you not even having the time in the day to manifest whatever it might be your choice to be. If you believe this is a heaven, it means that you're not even going to have enough time in the day to either discuss that belief or indulge that belief. And so that is what it's all about. It's about getting you from cradle to grave without you having any input at all into your daily activities. At the same time, of course, having you labor and labor and labor, and again, having none of the fruits of your labor. That's really what it's all about. It's all about you. And I think if you look at that, if you realize it's all about you, then it's easier for you to detect when you are being exploited. Because it's all about human exploitation. It's not about the machines. It's not about the computers. It's not about the robots. It's all about human exploitation. And, and once you realize that, it makes it very easy for you to, to defend against it. So how do you defend against it? 
Well, first thing you notice is wherever there's a line, that line represents your total deprivation. That line represents, if you choose to stand in it, total deprivation of due process and the form of actual imprisonment. In terms of your health, whether it's a line to check out of the hospital, whether it's a line to check into the hospital, whether it's a line to sign up for health insurance, all of these lines do nothing but deprive you of time, deprive you of your very life. And then when you choose to engage the health system and you go to the doctor's office, the commute from your house to the doctor's office, the wait while you're in the doctor's office, going from the doctor's office to the pharmacy, because not, it's not a slow accident. The pharmacy could be at the doctor's office, but it's not. And then waiting at the pharmacy, and then getting the drug, and then taking the drug, and then getting so many side effects that you can't do what you want with your spare time, and you can't enjoy yourself. This is the design, because it's all about you. It's all about depriving you of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's really all it is. And simply to redirect your activities, and in some cases, even misdirect your activities, away from your own benefit, your own pleasure, or even your own choice. Uh, one example is uh, in the hospital when I was uh, training. We were uh, told that patients, of course, are not able to make decisions on their own behalf. And we were told that patients need to have everything done, everything done. There, we cannot leave anything that might possibly be a benefit to the patient undone. And so there were patients who, this is back in the old days, this is the mid-80s, uh, where people had a fair amount of out-of-pocket expenses and they expected it. People would say, stop, stop, stop everything, pull the plug. I want my children to have this money. I do not want this money spent on my medical care. And there was a lady, she actually did that. She was um, young by our standards. She was 50, uh, she was 57 years old, a young lady. And she said, stop, stop it. And she had uh, severe emphysema and total destruction uh, of her lungs. And she was uh, purplish blue most of the time and she had various uh, assistive devices uh, that helped her to breathe. And she called all of her children. I think she had three daughters, three adult daughters. They were in their in their 20s. And I was actually in my 20s at the time. And she called them to her bedside and she said, this is it. I'm pulling the plug. I want all of you to be here and um, I want you to have everything. I want you to take the money. I want you to spend it. And I want you to take everything that's mine. And so what happened then uh, as the you know the the oxygen all this stuff was removed, she said, "Take it, take it all away." And so as soon as she stopped breathing, her daughters started removing all of her jewelry, and she had a fair amount of it. And she was actually the wife 
of the diplomat to a Central American country. Back then, mid-80s, they were all, all a blur to me. All I knew about was the Sandinistas down there somewhere. And so the daughters took all of her valuables, they took all of her jewelry and everything, and they were very orderly about it. There were no arguments or fussing or anything. And so, of course, I, I thought, well, it's reasonable, I thought at the time. Well, you should have heard the brouhaha among the doctors and medical staff. Oh, my God, how dare her family take that jewelry off her dead body? Well, geez, believe if she left it there, just what do they think was going to happen to it? Well, just who do they think should have the jewelry? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Should it go to probate? But I always felt kind of odd about that because, I mean, it was her jewelry. It was her money. And so rumor had she had she was down to her last $50,000. Back in the uh, mid-'80s, $50,000 was a, you know, a fair amount of change, you know. You could buy it three ways. The girls could have each maybe bought a car or done something to, to make their life a little better. Maybe they could have um, got a down payment for a house or something like that. But you could do something with $15,000 way back when. And so the question was, in my mind, who should have gotten that $50,000? And was it okay for the patient to decide that her daughter should get the $50,000 instead of the hospital or the doctors? I thought so. That's what I thought. And besides, if the doctors hadn't got her better yet, you know, why throw more money at it? I mean, it's certainly her choice. And so, this is the this is the prime example that it's all about you. So what the system wanted to do, the doctors wanted to do, what the hospital wanted to do, was to get every last penny of this lady's money and have a lien against her jewelry. And if her body was in good enough condition, of course, recycle her organs for the next go round. In other words, uh, three hundred thousand for each kidney couple hundred thousand to liver and so on. So it's all about you. In this case, it was all about this woman. And she figured it out. She figured it out and said, you know what? It's all about me. There's no right or wrong here. It's all about me. It's my life. It's my money. It's my jewelry. And I'm going to decide where it's going to go. This is very, uh, very interesting. It's not Frequently, the patients say, wait, this is what I want. Unfortunately, usually it takes a person like her, someone who has uh, a moderate amount of resources uh, to work with. Unfortunately, people who, who don't have uh, money in the bank, so to speak, or cash balance, don't realize that it really is all about them. And they don't realize the true value of their time of their physical body, their physical person. And so often you'll get someone who's, uh, maybe they don't have a lot of money, um, they're caught up in the healthcare system, so to speak, they're being given drug after drug after drug, they're getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and they're feeling as, well, I want everything done. I want everything done and because I want the system to take care of me. And so again, because they're focused on the system, they don't realize it's not about the system. It's about them. It's about them. It's about their body, and it's about who gets to decide, who gets to make the decision. And so when people 
lose their focus, as in this song about Alfie. You wonder, oh, should I be this or should I be that? No, 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 no. You should be what you want to be. That's, that, that's the point. And the whole goal of the medical industrial complex is to keep you from ever being what you want to be, whatever that might be. For example, in the 90s, it became fashionable to actually have this code of conduct for parents, that's husbands and wives, or boyfriends and girlfriends, in the maternity unit. And so we doctors and the nurses were supposed to observe the way the mother interacted with this man in her life, and we actually were supposed to make notes in the chart as to whether or not this interaction was appropriate. Well, you know, (laughs) it's not like uh, there's a disease associated with inappropriate interactions. And we weren't even given uh, guidelines to determine uh, the appropriateness of this interaction. This was simply an exercise to establish that the medical industrial complex had the right to decide how a mother and father should interact and should not interact. They just needed to establish that right. Then, of course, the formal regulations would follow. And I felt very uncomfortable, especially as an unmarried uh, individual who had never had children. How could I know what these people were feeling or what was an appropriate feeling or an inappropriate feeling for a mother or for a father? No clue. And so this is the medical industrial complex. The goal is to take over, dominate, and determine every aspect of your life so that you have no self-determination left. So it becomes no space remaining in your day where you can decide what you want to do. And so what Alfie does is Alfie presupposes because Alfie presupposes that the question is answered, then they bypass it. So you don't get the chance to acknowledge, wait, the question is not what a person should want. The question is, should that person do the wanting or should someone else do it on their behalf? And so the song Alfie poses the question and presupposes, assumes that it's okay for someone else to determine what you should want. The question is, well, should you want this or should you want that? The answer is no. You shouldn't want anything. You just want what you want, and it's okay to want what you want. You determine that. That's the song Alfie uh, presupposes that it's okay for someone else to determine that for you and to want that for you. And that's what the medical industrial complex is all about. It's all about determining every aspect of your life. And it starts, it used to start at birth, but now it starts with prenatal care. You know, we even have to inquire, we're supposed to inquire of these pregnant ladies if they're sexually active. Like, so what? 
you know, is there a disease associated with that? You know, I mean, so many people might say it's sexually transmitted disease, but that's uh, a separate thing. In other words, having sex itself is not a disease. And having sex itself is not harmful for uh, the baby. And even sexually transmitted diseases, such as they are, uh, you know, let's take a look at a few biggies like gonorrhea. Okay, if you don't treat gonorrhea, what happens? Well, the kid gets a little snot in his eyes. You've got to put some drops in there. Oh, okay. Took care of that one, huh? So, you know, the actual effects of these diseases are not as, as, as devastating or uh, problematic as as we doctors are led to believe, and not so much so as to allow the intrusion into one's life. And so then, uh, the poor kid gets born, and then the doctor tells the woman whether she's going to breastfeed or bottle feed. It doesn't matter what the doctor says, whether he says breast or bottle, but the point is, as if he should have a choice, as if he should have any input, as if it's any of his business. And then we go on to uh, developmental milestones. We actually get involved in telling these parents what their kids should be doing when. So, my brother didn't say a word until he was seven years old. Not a word. No, didn't say a word. My parents had six children, so of course they welcomed the silence. He didn't say anything until he was six, oh, seven years old. Seven years old. And what provoked him to say something was somebody handed him, asked him if he wanted some candy, and he smiled, and they handed him a box of candies, and it was empty. He was shocked. He said, oh, a go, which of course translates to it's all gone. And so that was, those were his first words ever, and they were spoken when he was seven years old. Now, so what's he doing now, just by the way? He's 57 years old, and he's designing the cloud for a very large computer corporation. How about that? So what did it mean that uh, the medical industrial complex was harassing my poor mother, about this non-talking child. Really nothing. My parents were so busy. We had six kids. It was all they could do to drop them off to speech therapy, which, of course, was useless. And uh, they would pick them, take them there, I think, once or twice a week, and they would pick them up. So, it, so what it did was it basically took up their time, distracted their time. So here are these parents, young parents, they had six kids. Two of them were, were certified mentally retarded. And the third one is now certified developmentally delayed. Right. So you can imagine the burden upon these two parents, my parents, of having six children, three of whom were certifiably defective. And this is what the medical industrial complex does, is it labels these, these uh, human beings, burdens the parents, uh, and totally occupies their time. Totally occupies their time. Thank God he said something when he was seven years old. That was the end of all the speech therapy. Uh, no more speech therapy after that. That was the end of that. So this is what the medical industrial complex does. So then you got this, these kids. You label them. You compel the parents to drive 
all over the yard, drive here, drive there for this test, that test, the other therapy, that therapy, none of which is of any proven benefit. And you simply sap the parents of their self-determination. Thank goodness back then, mentally retarded was well considered hopeless. And so uh, my two retarded sisters were simply at home with the rest of us. So we just all uh, grew up together. But nowadays, uh, you know, there's special daycare for the mentally retarded. There's all kinds of this and that, and the parents are supposed to do all kinds of things. And this is what the medical industrial complex is all about. It's all about determining every single minute of a person's life. And then, of course, if that's not enough, you have the uh, prescribed medical intervention, um, the vaccines, which is really just the beginning. There are many people who object to vaccines on the basis that they're dangerous, which they are, on the basis that they're ineffective, which they are. But the real basis for objecting to the vaccines is that it's your body. Just a total self-determination. If somebody doesn't like you not being vaccinated, by golly, they can leave the room. So the real deal is first vaccines and then what's next? Then you're going to have compulsory surgeries. Way back when, uh, they would force people to get sterilized. And through some legal whatever machinations, that somehow declared to be illegal. But basically, if you can compel someone to submit to a medical procedure like vaccination, when there's no compelling evidence that the person, A, requires it, or B, that it's beneficial, then it's not too big a leap to compel that person to submit to various forms of surgery. You're just talking about using a scalpel instead of a needle, and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not a very long stretch. And so you have a situation then where all males will need to be circumcised, where... Um, everyone gets their tonsils out when they're 16 or before, or everyone gets their appendectomy at a certain age, and so on. And so, again, the real goal here is loss of self-determination, total depriving of the individual of self-determination. And um, when people lose sight of this by saying, I have insurance. I want my um, I want my insurance to pay for uh, whatever it is. Then the focus becomes it's shifted to getting the insurance to pay instead of self determination. So people then say, "Well, I want to do what my insurance will pay for," which is what I want my insurance company to determine what I do with my life and my body. So what you're doing then is you're yielding control of your person to a corporation, to people you have never even met. And so that's what uh, that's the true the true hazard. So the true hazard then is the lack of self determination. The true hazard is having a third or fourth party control 
your life. And not just any bit of it, every last minute of it, every last minute. My mother actually called me, called me up to say, Jennifer, I've got all these Medicare insurance plans to choose from. How do I pick one? I'm like, Mom, you have got to be kidding. I can't even believe you asked me that question. <laughs> Throw a dart on the board, Mom. None of them are going to pay for anything. It doesn't matter which one you get. But again, just that they were able to occupy my mother's time. And she spent hours, days, deliberating on this before she finally called me. And of course, you can imagine, she did not appreciate my input. She thought that I had not uh, given the matter uh, sufficient uh, gravity and consideration. But this is, is what's going on. Now, Mom also actually used, oh no, she had one insurance. She decided she would switch to a second insurance, which is reasonable. And she switched during what they call the... Um, open enrollment period, switch from one to the other. Well, as it turned out, both insurances kept taking money out of her Medicare check. For those of you who are on Medicare or almost on Medicare, you know how small a Medicare check can be. So if you have two insurance companies taking health insurance premiums out of one Medicare check, it's pretty noticeable. And so mom calls up these companies. She spent at least four hours of a full day calling one company, calling the other company, waiting for this person to call her back, waiting for that person to call her back. It's a whole process. So then she finally calls my brother. My brother is a specialist in uh, getting the government to do things. We'll just put it that way. And so she complains to my brother, oh, Matthew, this is terrible. Oh, they're doing this to me. Oh, they're doing that to me. They're taking out for two insurances. And then, of course, she couldn't use either one, which is another story. So my brother says, no problem. We're going to go to your senator's office. They went to the office of the senator. Now, the point here is not did they get redressed, didn't they, but that the whole time of two human beings was literally occupied for eight full hours. So go to the senator's office. So my mother explains the problem and gives the senator's office the numbers that she has to dial for these insurance companies. Of course, the senator's office has some other numbers to dial for the insurance company so they can get to a real person who makes decisions or whatever. So the senator's office calls the numbers that mom got to call and gets the same runaround, and then they call their number, the back office number that they have. And eventually, over a period of two days, the matter was resolved. The point, though, was to occupy my mother's time. And at 80-something, her time was actually very valuable because it doesn't got that much more of it. But this is what it's all about. It's all about occupying you and your time. So what do you do? What do you do about this? What I do is I don't wait in lines anymore. Whenever I see a line, I forget it. I am not waiting in that line. Also, since I'm a little more flexible with my time, if I have to do something like go to a bank or heaven forbid go to a store, 
I go during an hour where they're not busy, basically 10 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock in the morning. So don't stand in line. Chances are good that whatever is at the other end of that line is something you could better do without. And I've looked into a lot of lines. So here in Panama, I always ask, what's that line for? What's that line for? Because I'm so used to standing in lines in the United States. And I said, God, what's at the end of that line? Should I be in that line? And without a doubt, the answer was no. And I thought back to all the lines I stood in in the United States. And the answer was, of course, I didn't need to stand in those lines either. Like uh, checkout lines at the grocery store, for example. Ugh. Um, now, I buy my groceries at roadside stands. And so that eliminates the standing in line at the checkout at the store. Um, so for people who live in more urbanized type settings, um, if you're eating healthy food, you don't have to stand in line for healthy food. Healthy food you get by joining a CSA, that's a Consumer Supported Agriculture Group, and you pick up your box of vegetables once a week or it gets delivered to your house once a week directly from the organic farmer. Same with your meats. You get your meat from the organic butcher, and uh, if you're living really natural, then you know that you slaughter once a year in the fall or the winter, and you buy your frozen meat fresh at slaughter. <coughs> Put them in your freezer, and that's the meat that you eat throughout the year. And so there's really nothing, a few things, worth waiting in line for. So you're having a baby. You sit in a traffic jam trying to get to the hospital. No. Stay at home and have the baby. It's much safer for the baby and the mother. So whenever you see a line, be suspicious. Be suspicious. Because this line, whether it's a traffic jam, whether it's a line at the bank, a line at the grocery store, it's not a good thing. The line at the bank, at the end of the line, what are you going to do? Most likely you're going to deposit your hard-earned money into this bank, and who knows what's going to happen to it. Or worse, you're going to ask for a loan, they're going to give it to you, and your life will be strapped with incredible uh, interest payments uh, that will set you back quite a bit. So the, with the medical industrial complex, the, the big deal is the illusion that everything is being paid for by someone else besides you. And the illusion that you have to consume to get your money's worth because you've already paid for it. And this illusion sucks you in so more of your time can be extracted, so more of your financial resources can be extracted. So you end up getting more co-pays, more co-insurances, and finding more denied claims and more bills, and it gets just to be a mountain, 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 a bigger mountain of financial obligation and financial destruction. So this is what it's all about. It's 
all about you. It's all about you and your time and your resources being uh, commandeered, usurped, and removed from from your control. That's what it's all about. It's not about health care. It's not about health. It's not about caring. It's really not even about profit. It's all about, it's just all about you. So, if people have questions, they can click, I think it's one under telephone, and we'll check over to the um, chat room. Someone wants to know, how would you approach a diagnosis of B-cell leukemia in a one-year-old girl? I wouldn't. I would not do it. Um, let's just say we think she has um, leukemia or close to having leukemia. Usually, um, the biggest cause is antibiotic use for like ear infections. So I definitely stop her dairy, stop her antibiotic use. I would not in any way attempt to make the diagnosis. I would certainly not submit her to a bone marrow biopsy, which is definitely a piece of torture, and to a one-year-old crippling. So I would not try to make that diagnosis. Um, you know, I do know from uh, my research in prior shows that uh, childhood leukemia is a side effect of antibiotic use. Okay. All right, so somebody in the chat room thinks that salt has all the minerals anybody needs. Uh, absolutely not. Salt does not have a sufficient amount of trace minerals. That's a problem. That's why salt water is uh, so deadly or ocean water is so deadly because the ratio of salt to minerals is way, 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 way too high. And so um, this is why I really don't have a big opinion about salt, whether a person uses sea salt or... Uh, table salt, because the amount of minerals in sea salt is so trivial that it's, it, it's just not a factor. It's not worth bothering with. Okay. <laughs> All right. So another another question in the chat room. My doctor is blackmailing me again, and I don't have the money to go elsewhere. What should I do? Okay, first of all, if someone's blackmailing you, then I mean, that's just not somebody you want to spend your time with. Um, and I'm not sure what it is you want from your doctor, but let's just say you want from your doctor, I don't know, a prescription for something. Um, really, the Internet is awesome. You can get anything you want on the Internet. And unbeknownst to most Americans, in other countries, most other countries, drugs, do not, one, do not require a prescription, or two, once you get a prescription, you can use that prescription for life. And so this is definitely a cultural quirk, um, a variation of mother may I that's played in the United States where people go to doctors for permission. And so it's just um, really a conditioning. Himalayan salt, exactly, yes. If you want to spend money, buy Himalayan salt. But again, not enough minerals there to change your life. In other words, if you have a trace mineral deficiency, Himalayan salt is not going to, it's not going to fill the bill. Uh, I would go straight to um, fulvic minerals or if you go all the way to shilajit. Okay, so... (laughs) All right. 
So let's go take a look at the phone calls and see if we have questions on the line here. All right, we do. Let's see. All right, we got to hit these buttons right, so be patient with me. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name and your question, please? Uh, hello? Hello, I can hear you. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, after, if you're inner city, what does she recommend for um, when the grid go down? What does she, th- she what? recommend having available? Did you hear that, ma'am? No, I missed your last word. When it when the grid goes down, oh, when yeah. it's available? Uh-huh. Yeah. What should we have available if you're in the city? Oh, I see. Okay. So what should you have available for your health if the grid goes down? All right. Gotcha. I personally think you should behave as if the grid has already gone down because the present level of health, anything available is so toxic, is so poisonous that the grid has already crashed. So the healthcare grid has already crashed. Um, so if you're seeking health from a hospital, from a doctor, from a pharmacy, um, you're looking at a crash grid. You're looking at something that's only going to destroy your health. So just don't do it. What do I recommend? I recommend that since the health grid is down, since it has crashed, I recommend you drink purified water. That would be reverse osmosis or distilled. I recommend that you um, start right now growing your own food. Uh, so if you're in a survivalist type, you know, you definitely need to go for self-sufficiency right now because if you are depending on the grocery store for your food, you have already messed up big time. This, it, you know, you're, you're done. So the other thing I recommend really strongly is that people um, get a can of turpentine. <laughs> Sounds dumb. But turpentine cures absolutely everything. And this is documented in the medical textbooks, Mark Manual, um, 19, excuse me, 1897. The very first Merck Manual, it literally lists turpentine as the antidote for every last disease. Kidney disease, lung disease, arthritis, intestinal disease. So get a can of turpentine, learn how to use it. And you can go to my site, vitalitycapsules.com forward slash candida, and you can get your report. That's what I would do. The grid has already gone down. <laughs> you, you know, you need to, you need to just jump on that. Okay, next question. Hi, you're on the air. You're naming your question, please. Dr. Daniels this is Dan from Texas. Hi, Dan. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, two quick ones. A uh, simple diet question. You had mentioned previously on a show not mixing fruits and vegetables together to eat. Is that correct? No, it's not correct because I recommend a green drink, which is a green greens with a pureed banana and maybe a chopped apple in there. All right. So there's nothing wrong with like sitting down and eating, say, uh, celery and a peach together. Correct. Or if you have a salad and you want to put a couple of berries in it because you're just too bored, no problem at mango. all. Correct. All right. All right. Then I'm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not I one thought. of those. Food, I'm not a food combiner person. That's not not me. 
right. I, I thought you had indicated at one time that there were certain acids in the stomach that were, you know, that got confused trying to digest both of them together. Uh, no, right. I said well, it gets confused with processed food. When you get into this, like, fine dining, uh, ultra-gourmet stuff and refined foods with uh, 36 ingredients, oh, man, you create a world of confusion down there. But if, if we're just talking about, you know, a vegetable, a fruit, a few vegetables, a few fruits, chop it up, make a salad, you know, your stomach can handle that. All right. Well, very good. I just simply misunderstood yeah. that earlier then. And then next, uh, uh what sort of kind of causes acid reflux, and what would one do about it? What causes acid reflux um, is there's actually not enough acid in the stomach, and because there's not enough acid, the parasites thrive, and they actually nibble away at that veil, get it to open, and then a little bit of acid you do have refluxes. So what causes acid reflux is that um, the parasites are just having a field day down there. So what what can you do to get rid of acid reflux? Well, um, some people find relief with apple cider vinegar. Other people find relief with um, activated charcoal. Um, many people find relief with turpentine. So there's all kinds of things. But the basis of the relief is to acidify the stomach. That's what the apple cider vinegar does. Um, and to um, modify the behavior of the parasites. All right, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, you answered my girlfriend's question. I have a question. Uh, you asked yes. the reef great. Um, I'm having a problem with, um, I broke my ankle about two, three years ago, and my blood pressure mm-hmm. is unstable. They had me on one medication. It really messed my ankle up. And um, I don't know what else to do. I was at a are, you trying, are you trying to fix your ankle or are you trying to fix your blood pressure or, or both? I'm trying to set both. Okay. All right. First thing to do then, I, I think you should take a, a a longer kind of a step back approach. The same chemicals that are irritating your ankle and making it hurt are lining your blood vessels, making them narrow and making your blood pressure high. So what you've got to do is get these toxins out of your system. And once you get these toxins out of your system, the pain is going to leave your legs and leave your ankle, and you know you're going to uh, have your blood pressure come down. So I'd recommend to start probably really vitality capsules is going to help remove more waste from your colon. Then you need to change your diet. There's got to be something in your diet you're eating that's creating um, chemicals or waste that is causing uh, your problem. So you need to identify that. So uh, I would recommend, you know, first vitality capsules, then you can, um, actually I have a radio show, a radio replay on hypertension. I believe it's the heart disease hoax. So um, listen to that. That'll give you some education about dietary things and stuff you can do. So the heart disease hoax, listen to that. 
You can consider um, office hours. Office hours are this Thursday, and you can sign up for those at VitalityCapsules.com. But definitely listen to the radio show, The Heart Disease Hoax, and then um, clean your system out with Vitality Capsules. That'll get you on the right track. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for calling. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. I've got all these buttons here to push. Tough to keep them all straight. Let's see here. Um, I think I didn't answer this one yet. Hi, you're on the air. Your question? Hi, my name is Zoe. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Doctor? Um, I ordered Vitality capsules not too long ago. They're working real well for me, but for the last two years, my feet have been numb. And I'm wondering, Uh and I'm also doing the uh, turpentine uh, uh, routine. What do you know about feet being numb, and what could be the possible cause? When you say numb, you mean no feeling at all, 24-7? Well, numb feeling, it's like if somebody pokes me or something, I can feel it, but like, yes, 24-7, yes. So it doesn't fluctuate, it's just there, and that's the way it is. Correct. Okay, got it. All right. Is it both feet or just one? Both. Both feet, okay. All right, so what we call this medical term for this is a stocking glove neuropathy. So in other words, you have this numbness, and it's kind of a stocking-like thing. It starts at your yeah. toes and works itself upwards. Yeah. And over time, yeah. actually, it can the level can rise higher and higher and higher. Okay. All right, so... Um, if I was a licensed doctor, which I'm not, I mean, I went to medical school, I practice medicine, I am no longer licensed, but a licensed doctor would tell you that you have stocking glove neuropathy, you need to take an antidepressant. Oh, okay. Of course, this, yeah, this does not in any way relieve the situation, but that's the recommendation. So since I'm not a licensed doctor, I can tell you that uh, you have two problems going on here. You have um, an accumulation of chemicals around uh, your nerves, and that's what's causing this problem. And if you continue to eat the way you eat, um, then this numbness is going to keep, the level is going to keep rising and rising. So you don't want to do that. So what you should do is you should get the Candida report. Oh, you already have it if you're taking turpentine. Do you already have the Candida report? Yes. Okay, so read that again. Limit your fruits to one or two pieces a day. The other information there is still pretty current. If you follow that diet, um, that will help you to stop putting in the chemicals that are causing your problem. Oh, some type of chemical maybe that's in the food? Absolutely. So that would be like um, um, uh, chemicals to kill insects and insecticides or maybe artificial um fertilizers or weed killers or things you're putting on the food. So you've got to go organic as much as you can. Or what I tell people is organic is is a first approximation. But the next step is you really have to go all the way, talk to join a CSA, and um, make sure that you're getting clean food. Because the organic label is is a halfway measure. It's not not the whole uh, ball of wax. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So that's what you um, need to do. All right. We are just about out of time here. So, of course, we have a show coming up next week. And next week's show is... It's a lot of fun. I I really work on these titles. Next week's show is If We Must Die. Yes, If We Must Die. There's a poem about that. And no, this is going to be a little bit lighter. We're not going to be as heavy as that poem. But If We Must Die, I actually take the causes of death. I filter down to only five causes of death and explain why you need to pick how you must die. Because, of course, we have to die. But if you pick how you must have the longest and healthiest life possible by picking how you will die. Okay. As always, think happens, and we'll see you next week.